morning, all. It's good to see everybody out. I didn't expect so many people today, but it's good. You know, we need fortitude. We need fortitude to make it to the end. And what's the little cold temperatures? But, you know, it, it, it's good you make the effort because we need to make an effort in order to get to heaven. It's not a done deal. We have a heaven to win and a hell to shun. I always like to open with a spirit of prophecy quote, and here's one we can remember. It says, when Christ abides in the heart by faith, the Christian is the temple of God. Amen. By faith. By faith, when God abides in here, we are the temple of God. The light sh that shines forth from the life of the true Christian testifies to his union with Christ. We can say we're a Christian, but what really shows is how we live. How we live. That shows that the union is there formed and working. Our lives are pure only when we are under the control of God. Amen. Only when you're under the control of God are you going to be pure. The luster, you know what luster is? That's the brilliance, yeah, that's the shine. The luster possessed by those who have gained the richest experience is but the reflection of the light of the sun of righteousness. God wants to shine through us. He wants to make us brilliant. He wants to make us something special. And it's accomplished by faith. We believe God, he does the rest. That concludes by saying, he who lives nearest to Jesus shines the brightest shines the brightest. So today I want to go over an old familiar story with you of three men who shine very brightly for Jesus. And you know something? Their story just might be our story. Because what they went through is coming our way. And you know, a lot of times we look at it in fearfulness. But you know, when we know God and what God has done in the past and what he promises to do for us in the present and the future, we can look forward to these events with anticipation. We can look forward with it as, wow, I can be like these three men that we're going to look at today. And you know, they, it all began with Isaiah 43 here. This is such an important verse to remember. God says in verse 1, But now says the Lord that created you, and that's important. God is our creator. Amen. And we need to remember that we're his creation. But when, when, and when we submit to him as, our, as his creation, he can do wonderful things in us. He says, O Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel, fear not, he says. Fear not. God is our creator, and a creator can do wonderful things, incredible things, impossible things. Amen. I fear not, he says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. God knows each and every one of us by your name. He knows us all personally. He knows us right down 
to the hairs on our head. And then he says, you are mine. You are mine, God says. Wow. What do you have to fear? The creator of the universe says, you are mine. Don't be afraid. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. You know, these are the two conditions man fears the most, water and fire. Water and fire, they're deadly. They cause a lot of trouble. We, we live on an island and we're surrounded by a river and we've experienced a few floods and it's scary. Your house is ready to be washed down the river. Everything you own is ready to vanish. But God says, don't be afraid, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in the waters when they overflow and when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Amen. Wow, what a God. And only God can do that. Only God can do that. And in verse 3, he concludes by saying, for I am the Lord, your God. God is your God. He's my God. He wants us to know that we're his possession. I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God wants to save us. So with that introduction, let's go to the book of Daniel in chapter 3. Familiar story, but, you know, it, it gets more and more relevant as we see the times we live in. Because, you know, we're coming to the end of this world. The spirit of prophecy says we're, we're, there's going to be the crisis of all time before us. And this is this had happened back in Daniel is a glimpse of what we're going to see coming. And you know, put your, try and put yourself in, in these gentlemen, these Hebrew, three Hebrews place because this is the situation we all may be facing in the near future. So chapter three begins, Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. Babylon is the world power at this time, like the United States now is the world power. Everything Babylon said was done. And so the king, he makes an image of gold, and it's 90 feet tall, and he sets it up in the plain. And, he, and now it's interesting because if you remember, in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and he had a dream of an image. And the image that Nebuchadnezzar here built is nothing like the image that God gave him. And that's important. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he builds this big image, 90 feet tall, and it's made out of just pure gold. And he sets it up in the plain, and he says, he, he, uh, he says, we're going to dedicate this image. And he's gathering all the people from all his kingdom to come to this dedication. And pick it up in verse 5. And he says, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you shall fall down and you shall worship the golden image. Okay, here we have... Here we have the state forcing people to worship a God. And so the day comes, it's all set up. Verse 7, therefore at that time, 
when all the people heard the sound of the music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image and Nebuchadnezzar the king, that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So here we have this situation. The world power said, we're going to make this image. This is your God. And now everybody is commanded to bow down and worship it. And if you didn't bow down to worship it, there was a penalty. You're going to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace. This was the law of the land. There was no getting around it. So they all bow down, except verse 12. It's pointed out to Nebuchadnezzar from some of the people who did bow down. He said, there are certain Jews whom you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Amen. Wow. Wow. Picture it in your mind. It's out on a big plain. You know what a plain is? It's a wide open area. And the image is set up in the middle of the plain, and there's thousands and thousands of people all gathered around. The music plays. Everybody bows down, except three. And guess what they look like when they're not, when they're standing there? You can't miss them. They're standing up and everybody's bowing down. Would you be able to do that? This is what the situation we're coming down to, we're going to see. They refuse to bow down. They refuse to bow down. And so they're brought before the king. And the king, you know, he thinks he's, he thinks he's the top dog. In verse 14, he speaks to them and he says, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? And then he gets, he gets kind of prideful and he sneers a little bit. He says, he says in verse 15, The music plays, you fall down and worship the image which I made. If you do it, well. But if you don't worship me, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then he says, and you can almost picture what his, uh, his uh, expression was. And he says, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he's the top dog. He, he's the president of the country. He, he speaks and it's done. And here he is challenging God. He's saying, who is this God that you talk about? Is he able to deliver you out of our hands? This is, you know, this is worldly man pride. You know, man thinks he's above God. And Nebuchadnezzar, he built the image. He thinks, oh, I'm, I'm tough. I'm the top, top dog. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. And they said to the king in verse 16, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. You're saying, we don't need to answer you, but we're going to tell you anyways. If it be so, our God, I like that language, don't you? Amen. Our God, there, they have God in here. They, they know God. They know what God's going to do for them. They got their Isaiah 43 down. Amen. They, they know God. He's, he's our Savior. He's, he knows all the hair on my head. He knows. He says, you're mine. 
So Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you're nothing. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Wow. That's a bold statement, isn't it? Because they're captives. They, they got nowhere to go. They're, they're destined to be thrown in that furnace. Doesn't matter. They know, they know God Almighty. They know God Almighty. Our God is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And he will. He will deliver us out of your hand. Boldness. Confidence. Do we have that confidence in God? We should, that's right, we should. He will deliver us out of your hand. No doubts about it. That's the kind of faith we need. No doubts about it. He will deliver us out of your hand. But, but, he said, but if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. We've got nothing to do with you, Nebuchadnezzar. We serve God Almighty. And it doesn't matter what you're going to do to us. God is going to be with us, like Barb said. No matter what, God is going to be with you. And what a, wow, what a faith. And that's the kind of faith we need. God is going to be with us. It says here, the Hebrew, these Hebrew men were, were men of like passions like ourselves. They're just like us. No different. Yet, in spite of the influences in the court of Babylon, they stood firm. They stood firm because they depended on a strength that is infinite. Infinite. They depended on God Almighty and nobody else. And, you know, it says that their lives is a demonstration of what God will do for those who yield themselves to him. We need to yield ourselves to God. We don't want to trust ourselves at all. We need to trust God wholeheartedly. Who yield themselves to him and with the whole heart seek to accomplish God's purpose. And the important word in there is the whole heart. You know, there can't be any compromise in, in this matter if we're going to be these witnesses that God is looking for. And so... They defy the king. They say, hey, we're ready to go. You do with us as you please. So Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 19, he was full of fury, it says. He was mad. He was ticked off at these three guys defying him. And so he commanded the most mighty men, in verse 20, that were in his army to bind these three men and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And before that, he told them to heat it up, put some wood on the fire, open the dampers, and get it good and hot, because we got some boys here who need to be taught a lesson. <laughs> and so they heat the fire up, they, they take them, they bind them up, and they, they throw them into the burning fiery furnace. And you know, it's interesting, the, the men who threw them into the furnace were consumed. They didn't even go in. That's how hot it was. They opened the door, the flames came out, burnt the men up, and the three are thrown into the fire. Then, in verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, it says. He was astonished. He's looking at the fiery furnace, 
and he's thinking that he's going to see these three guys burn up in a crisp and a puff of smoke. And what does he say? He says, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to him, true, O king. Verse 25, he answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt. What a God. What a God. Not only are they loose, but they're walking. They're walking with God in the fire. What a God. What a God. And they have no hurt. They have no hurt. And the form of the first is like the Son of God. They're in the presence of God. Isn't this beautiful? It's so exciting. It's so exciting to, to know that what God will, will, will do for us. Not all had bowed the knee. You know, they, these, these three were firmly resolved not to dishonor God. Firmly resolved. And that's how we need to be. You know, God, God has a law, doesn't he? And he says, you need to go, he, or God wants us to go by this law. No deviations, no, no excuses, no nothing. And again, they were firmly resolved not to dishonor the God of heaven. And this is a beautiful little quote from the Spirit of Prophecy because she says, she says that when they were confronted by Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery, first fiery furnace, she says they were very calm about it. She says, calmly facing the furnace, okay, would you be calmly facing the furnace? They were calmly facing the furnace, she says. Their faith strengthened as they declared that God would be glorified by delivering them. They had that connection with God. And when we have that connection with God, we can be facing death, but we'll be calm about it. Calm about it. And it says here in the book, this is in the book from uh, Education, it says, only the sense of God's presence can banish the fear that would make life a burden. You know, when we sense God's presence there, there's not going to be any fear. And these men obviously had no fear. They're going to say to the king, hey, do with us as you please. We're not going to bow down. God's going to deliver us. And God did. What a, what a, what a story. God delivered them miraculously. And remember, you know, the, this is what God says he would do. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him and delivers them, delivers them. And I, and I love the verse. It says, God will honor those who honor him. We honor God. God is not going to go back on his word. He said, I'll be with you in the fire. I'll be with you in the waters. Fear not, he says. Fear not when you walk through the fire. For I am the Lord, your God. Your God. This is your God. My God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And that word Savior can be translated as your avenger, your defender, your helper, your preserver. God is there to do wonderful, marvelous things for those 
who believe in him and trust in him. We got to have this faith like these three men did. Another spirit of prophecy, she says, these things were not written merely that we might read and wonder, but that the same faith which wrought in God's servants of old might work in us. Might work in us. And it will work in us. God's the same. The question is, do we have the faith that these three men had? In no less marked a manner than he wrought then, will he work now wherever there are hearts of faith to be channels of his power. Amen. You have a heart of faith, boy. Watch out what God can do in you. Watch out what God can do in you. So they're in the fire. They're summoned to come out. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth and he calls them out. And they come forth in the, from the midst of the fire. And now verse 27 is a very important verse. And the princes, governors, captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men. Saw these men. Now, we're called to be God's witnesses. And now, can you imagine what they saw? They saw these men thrown into a burning fire. They come out. How do they come out? The fire had no power. Not a hair of their head was singed, neither their coach changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. You ever been around an open fire and it smell, you smell smoky? <laughs> Here they come out clean as a whistle. And all the world is gathered there to see. They're all gathered to see Nebuchadnezzar's big image, but look what they saw. Look what they saw. Three men come out of the furnace with not a hurt on them. They don't even smell like smoke. Wow, what a witness for God. What a witness. And you know, this is what God is looking for in this end time. He's looking for the same thing. People who trust God no matter what, who are going to be firmly resolved to do what God say and not to dishonor God in any way. They all saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Can you imagine what happened to these people who saw it? They were all bowing down to this false image. Now they're thinking about the true God in heaven. And you know, you know, and you know, you think about it, a lot of times God allows us into these situations that we might not be uh, crazy about getting into, but when we see God working through us in these situations, we can praise God and say, wow, you are with me, God, and you use me to be your witness in this earth. By the deliverance of his faithful servants, God declared that he takes his stand with the oppressed and he rebukes all earthly powers that rebel against his authority. God is the, God is the king here. He's, he, this is his world. And what he says goes. And he's going to take his stand with all those who are on his side. As, as the Lord cooperated with Daniel and his fellows, he will cooperate with all who strive to do his will. 
And it's an important word in there is strive. Yeah. Strive, you know, you know what the word strive means? It's not a casual, it's not a casual thing. We need to put all that we have into serving God. Amen. If we're going to be like these men were. Those who walk in the path of obedience will encounter hindrances. Don't be surprised when you're driving to church and you get a flat tire. Don't be surprised. We are going to encounter hindrances, but God is able to render futile every agency that works for the defeat of his chosen ones. What a God. What a God. We just need to trust him and believe in him. In his strength, we may overcome every temptation, conquer every difficulty. Every difficulty. So how did these three men become fitted to do this great work for God? Let's go to chapter 1 of Daniel, and it tells us. Now, remember, remember these, these were men that were taken captive by Babylon. They were brought out of their country to Babylon, and they were put into the position of the king's court to be trained to become the king's servants. And now part of the, in verse 5 of chapter 1, the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's food and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years, at the end they might stand before the king. And so they were brought into the king's court, and now they're going to be fed the king's food. And the king's food was not what, we would call God's food. And so in verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince that he might not defile himself. Think about it. He's a slave in a foreign country, and he's not going to do what his masters are going to tell him to do. How can you do it? If you, if you defy them, what are they going to do? They're going to take you out and kill you. Doesn't matter, though. Daniel purposed in his heart. That's a powerful word. He resolved, he determined in his heart and his mind that he was not going to defile himself with the king's meat and the king's drink. He knew that would be dishonoring to God and the service that he could render to God. And because of that, and I love how this is worded in the King James, Daniel purposed in his heart, and now verse 9 begins, now God, now God could do something. So when we resolve to Follow God and do things God's way. Now God can do some operation. And what did he do? It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. They were granted permission not to eat the king's food. These are slaves. They have no right to demand anything. But because they were on God's side, God worked, God worked through the... The, ma the master there, they found favor in his sight, and he granted them his request. Impossible situation, but not with God. 
But the important thing is they resolve to do things God's way. And what happened at the end of the three-year period? What does it say in, in verse 9? Uh, in verse 20, it says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, astrologers that were in his realm. Wow. This is what happens when we determine, when we resolve, when we purpose in our minds to do things God's way. Now God can work. But not until then. Now God can work. And he can make us ten times better than anybody out there. But it has to be done God's way. And there can be no compromise. How did they become fitted for a position of such great trust and honor? It was faithfulness in little things. Little things that gave complexion to their life. They honored God in the smallest duties as well in the larger responsibilities. Little things are important. You know, we do little things every day, but we do them with honor to God. We do them with faithfulness. We do them every day over and over again. And what happens? It becomes part of our habit. It becomes part of our character. And this is, how, this is how these three men could stand before the whole world and not bow down to a false image and say to the king, we're not bowing down to that, we're not serving you, and it doesn't matter what you're going to do with us. Because they knew God, and God was working mightily in them. And look at the result. Thrown into a burning fire, and they come out not even smelling like smoke. They honor God in the smallest duties. And, and God desires us in the smallest as well as the largest affairs of life to reveal to men the principles of his kingdom. You know, it's interesting how this Advent movement got started. Because right after this movement began, we were given this message of health. And we're, and you know something, you know, health is very important. The, the Bible tells us clearly, you know, what you eat affects up here, and what affects up here affects out, up there with God. And so we see that, you know, there, there's a connection with this health message, and we see it here exemplified in these men. It was a little thing not to eat the king's meat, or so it seemed. But God says, you know, there are certain foods you can eat. There are certain foods you can't eat because they will defile you. And, and you know, we have, we talked about it, uh, we have this health message. We have the eight laws of health. And we need to live by those laws of health if we want to be ten times better Amen. than anybody else out there in the world. Amen. And these three Hebrews did that. That's what enabled them. That's what fitted them to stand before the world and say, we're not going that way. We're going with God. Amen. And that's the only way we're going to be able to stand through the end. Because when you go to the book of Revelation in chapter 13, we see a similar situation. In, the, in, in, the, in that chapter 13... You want to return there for a second. We see this beast coming out of the earth, and we know from the spirit of prophecy in Scripture that this beast that 
looks like a lamb or speaks like a dragon, and we know this beast is this country we live in, this United States of America. Verse 12, it says, And this beast exercises all the power of the first beast and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast. So we see a similar situation, a world power enacting laws to compel people to worship the false god, the first beast. Verse 15, And he had power to give life to the image of the beast, that the image should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Should be killed. And so we know we're coming closer and closer to this time when this country of so-called freedom is now going to enact a law compelling everybody to worship the image that they are going to set up. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you wake up tomorrow morning and you hear there's a law now that Congress has just passed saying everybody must stop working on Sunday and worship this beast, this image of this beast? What are you going to do? If we've been faithful in the little things, we're going to do what the three Hebrew worthies did when we're not going to bow down. We're going to just do what God says. But if we're not doing the little things now, don't think you're going to stand when the big thing comes down the line. Because this is how these men did it. Think of it, they were only teenagers when they were taken away from their homes, brought to a foreign country, and now they're forced to, to go along with something totally contrary to what they were brought up as. And they refused to do it. They said, no, we're not going to do it. I resolved in my mind, I serve the living God, I'm going to serve him no matter what. And when, they, when, when we do that, then God is going to work for us, just as he worked for these three men. What a God. In the closing period of earth's history, the Lord will work mightily in behalf of those who stand steadfastly for the right. Steadfastly means you don't move. You don't move. You're, you're fixed in this spot and you're not moving. And, and, and the only way we're going to do that is to have our eyes on God. Then, you know, we're, we're told when, when this all comes down, you know, and the world is just in a total disarray and total destruction, Sabbath keepers are going to be blamed for it all. The wrath of the world is going to be vented on Sabbath keepers. Right there. What are you going to do? If you're, not, if you're not being faithful to God now in these little things, don't expect to be faithful then. God will stand for those who steadfastly stand for him for the right. His abiding presence will comfort and sustain. You know, we need God's abiding presence. His chosen ones will stand unmoved. And in their behalf, God will, will reveal himself as a God of gods, able to save to the uttermost those who have put their trust in him. 
And these Hebrews, these three Hebrews, they were at the end of the rope. There was no place to go. But God, because they were steadfast, was with them in the fire. And he'll do the same thing for us. Back to Daniel chapter 3, just to conclude. Verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, and now Nebuchadnezzar, remember, who's Nebuchadnezzar? He's He's the heathen king, but now listen to his words. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? God, God, is, God had this situation all planned so that these People worshiping these false gods would turn to the true God. And in, and in verse 29, Nebuchadnezzar concludes by saying, there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Wow. Wow. What a God. And he only wants the best for us. And, you know, God is so, so, so good, isn't he? He not only preserved his men through the burning furnace. Verse 30. Then the king promoted, the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Wow, what a God. He not only saved them, but now he promotes them. And you know, it says in Deuteronomy, God only wants us to be the head and not the tail. But it only comes from trusting God, resolving up here, determining that we're not going to do anything but what God says to do. Amen. The season of distress before God's people will call for a faith that will not falter. You cannot have a faith that's going to falter. His children must make it apparent that he is the only object of their worship. And we make that apparent by doing what God says. Simple, right? The little things. And no consideration, not even that of life itself, can induce us to make the least concession to false worship. You need a faith. You need to have a faith in God. You have a, a, a strong hand on God to know God. And when you do, you're going to be just like these, these three. Truth will be obeyed, though the result be imprisonment, Exile or death. And this is, what, this is what we can expect when we have a faith like these three heroes that will do what God says no matter what the results. So I hope your faith is strong. I hope you're doing those little things each and every day that God tells us to. He tells us to eat right. He tells us to drink water. He tells us to exercise. He tells us to get out into the sunshine. He tells us to breathe fresh air. He tells us all these little things that we have opportunities every day to do, to, to show that we trust God, because this is God's plan. It's not our plan. This is God's plan for not only our physical health, but for our spiritual health. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. 
and they that know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken them that seek you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord. Thank you for giving us a measure of faith. May we exercise it by doing those little things, those little duties each and every day that when when the big troubles come, Lord, we'll be in the habit of trusting in you. So bless us now as we depart, Lord. Help us to be your witnesses in this world that the world may know what a great God you are. In Jesus' name we pray.